This is a Louisville mash killer from a couple of weeks ago at that bank. Remember this case? Uh, seems like a very long time ago. And, well, we just got his manifesto. At least people who have read it are talking to the media. It was 13 pages long, and this guy, Connor Sturgeon, 25 years old, made three big points. Number one, the point of this rampage, he, he wanted to kill himself or suicide by cop, perhaps. Next, he wanted to highlight the mental health crisis in America. And finally, a call for more gun control. And this 13-page manifesto has been essentially released, and we've been briefed now on it. Imagine that, huh? With a call for more gun control. We get that manifesto. But when it comes to the Covenant School shooting in Nashville, which was committed by Audrey Hale, an individual that the police themselves told us was driven by her issues with her gender, this was a transgender person, uh, we don't have that manifesto yet. It was many pages long, apparently a roadmap to her brain and what she wanted to do. And the cops did say the whole thing was related to her gender dysphoria. She identifies as transgender. She does uh, identify as transgender. Yes. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is has any motive for targeting the school? Uh, we can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. All right, there's some theory to that. This is in the very early stages. They knew. They had already read the manifesto. They had it, and we are not getting it. Why not? Audrey Hale, a transgender person. Uh, let's face it, transgender is, uh, is in right now, and anything that would besmirch the reputation of the transgender movement, they're not going to release that. And anything that will push the left's agenda for more gun control, i.e. the Louisville situation, well, they'll release that. Interesting. You know, we need this manifesto. We deserve it. We got the Unabomber's manifesto. Remember that guy? They put that out. We need to see the manifesto, all right? They can't be politically selective about this stuff. In the meantime, get out of the pool, Leah Thomas. Get out of the pool. Members of Congress are trying, and uh, the Republicans did a, a good thing today. First, you know, Leah Thomas was racking up the medals left and right, and biological women competitors like uh, Riley Gaines there. This is the moment she lost to, to Leah Thomas. Actually, she tied Leah Thomas, but they made her take second place. So a bill in Congress actually passed the House of Representatives today. It would prohibit biological men from participating in sports for women or girls. Total common sense. It passed not by a lot, but it passed uh, all Republican. Everybody who voted for it was a Republican against it. Everybody was a Democrat. No bipartisanship, but uh, common sense, right? And it's a closely divided issue. Leah Thomas, get out of the pool. What you're doing is not normal. I don't care what corporate media says about you. There is so much to watch. So she's going to first hit the pool this morning at 10 o'clock. That's the 500-yard freestyle. The prelims finals are tonight. She's favored to win the 500 and the 200-yard freestyles. She's also swimming in the 100-yard freestyle, and she's got a shot there. But in addition to watching for her winning those races, Hoda, we're also watching for the potential. She is within striking distance of the long-held collegiate records by Missy Franklin and Katie Ledecky. So, of course, we're going to be watching to see if she uh, touches those records during this weekend, too.
Oh, you think she's so delighted by this man swimming in the pool, and we'll see if she breaks the record. She's smashing all of them because the she is not a she, and it's not normal, despite how corporate America acts. This person's so emblematic of that. No, this is how a normal person reacts, okay? Uh, right there, Riley Gaines. She is shattered, okay, because this imposter is taking away her medal, her status. It's gone, and it's crazy. Let's hear from Riley Gaines again. This was an iconic moment. In addition to being forced to give up our awards, our titles, not opportunities, the NCAA forced female swimmers to share a locker room with Thomas, a 6'4", 22-year-old male who was fully intact with male genitalia. Let me be clear. We were not forewarned. We were not asked for our consent, and we did not give our consent. If nothing else, I hope you can truly see how this is a violation of our privacy and how some of us have felt uncomfortable, awkward, um, embarrassed, and even traumatized by this experience. This calls for government action. This woman needs to be protected from men in the locker room and in the pool, quite frankly. Women's sports and girls' sports must be protected. Of course, what side is Joe on, huh? I mean, he's fascinated with girls and women in general, but uh, he's especially intrigued by the transgender community. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. What will the history books say about this moment? Leah Thomas's God-given potential is not to compete on women's teams. Period. Okay? You can wrap it up in some sort of righteous ball. It's not. It's a disgrace. And Joe, I actually don't think he's running for president. All right. The buzz right now is that uh, Joe will announce next Tuesday. I just don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. Um, could be wrong, but the whistleblower. This is serious. So there's a whistleblower at the IRS who has all kinds of information that Hunter Biden is guilty of tax crimes and maybe more than just tax crimes. Yet the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, they're not moving. They're not prosecuting when they should be. And according to the whistleblower, we think from the lawyer statements and people familiar with the matter, Merrick Garland, the attorney general of the United States, might be lying. This is back March 1st. The Justice Department and the FBI had at one time over a dozen sources that provided potentially criminal information relating to Hunter Biden. And what steps has the Justice Department taken to determine the truth and accuracy of information provided? Uh, Congress and the American people, I think, have a right to know. Um, so uh, as the committee well knows from my confirmation hearing, I promise uh, to leave, I promised to leave the matter of Hunter Biden in the hands of the U.S. Attorney uh, for the District of Delaware, who was appointed uh, in the previous administration. So any information like that should have gone uh, or should or should have uh, gone to that U.S. Attorney's offices and the FBI squad that's working uh, with him. I have pledged not to interfere uh, with that investigation, and I uh, have carried through on my pledge. I have pledged not to interfere, and I have carried through on my pledge. That's not how normal, innocent people talk. That's If I talk in an elegant manner, somehow it'll make it passable. Somehow it will make it right. I don't trust Merrick Garland to you and all this stuff. You notice he said, 
the U.S. attorney investigating Hunter Biden is Trump appointed, as if that makes some sort of a difference. It's a guy named Weiso, by the way, and he is the Delaware U.S. attorney. Trump appointed, Trump appointed, Trump appointed. I guarantee you this man has never, ever been in the same room as Donald Trump. All right. That's not the way it works. The U.S. Uh, but they won't let us forget it. But after all these months, no resolution from a Trump appointed U.S. attorney. The Trump appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware conducting the Hunter Biden investigation. That this is in the hands of Mr. Weiss. David Weiss is a holdover from the Trump administration. They deliberately left a Trump U.S. attorney from Delaware in charge because they understood the sensitivity of this. Uh, this Weiss guy has no uh, loyalty to Donald Trump. I don't know from Weiss. I know this, though. Uh, Attorney General Barr, okay, he was appointed by Donald Trump. And look at how he turned out. Anyway, just remember that, all right? Just because it was Trump appointed doesn't really mean much of anything, except that they probably never even met. All right. Notice that Hunter Biden went to Ireland. You notice anything about this trip other than he's pretending he's some sort of a rock star? Um, it was essentially a vacation. He did it uh, during a work week, and he went without his kids. Now, he's got three kids, and I, get, I don't know if he's still going out with Haley, uh, his brother's uh, widow, but he went alone. Now, he, when he went to China with his father, they took a grandkid for optics purposes, one of Hunter's kids. huh? Uh, I don't know if uh, she was at the hotel when Hunter introduced his father, the then vice president, to uh, some Chinese intelligence operative that they were working with. I, I don't know. But I do know this. Three million dollars went into the uh, account of Mr. Walker, an associate of the Biden family, and at least a million dollars was split up between Hunter, Haley and James Biden. And now we're hearing from the House Oversight Committee that at least six other Bidens might have gotten a cut of this money. That's really wild. And I think it's one of the reasons why Joe Biden's not going to run. And also this puzzling statement from the Secretary of the Treasury today. As we take these actions, let me be clear. These national security actions are not designed for us to gain a competitive economic advantage or to stifle China's economic and technological modernization. We're, it, what we're doing is not going to give us a competitive economic advantage with China. Don't we want one? Shouldn't we get one? Uh, why not? Joe said we're not going to fight China. We're going to compete with them, right? Right? That's his message all the time, and now we're not going to... You remember Joe saying this stuff? I've said since the beginning of my administration, we seek competition, not conflict with China. In fact, I made this clear to President Xi of China. We need not have confrontation, but we have a stiff economic and technological competition. I made it real clear to Xi Jinping that uh, we're going to compete fully with China, but we're not going to look, we're not looking for conflict. Well, the message in the Biden administration from the president to his Treasury secretary is we're not even going to compete. We're not even going to go for the uh, competitive advantage. What kind of country has America become? He's uh, not running. I don't believe it. Um, one of the reasons, actually, because now we know the family got money from China. All right. And we're going to know a lot more soon. But Joe has squandered, totally lost, not even squandered, canceled the one thing he said that made him really special. Remember this? You know who I am. 
You know who he is. You know his character. You know my character. You know our reputations for honor and telling the truth. I am anxious to have this race. I am anxious to see this take place. I am the character of the country is on the ballot. Our character is on the ballot. Look at us closely. We have been looking at you closely. Now we know about the money. And Donald Trump, yeah, they indicted him. And guess what? <laughs> We're more loyal than ever before because we know it's a fake case. Unlike the one against you, President Biden, you're in trouble. I expect to see you not run for president. Could be wrong, but um, you can't beat him. You can't beat him. No way. Not happening. I'll be right back. Ashley Hildebrand had a bullet graze her elbow. Her six-year-old daughter, Kinsley, was shot in the face and the bullet lodged in her cheek. William White, Ashley's husband, was shot in the family's front yard. They got about right here and he shot him in the back. And when he went to the ground, the guy continued to shoot. Kinsley was released from the hospital early this morning, but has spoken with her father. I hope my daddy was okay. Oh, my goodness, that beautiful little child, she was shot. And reportedly, her kickball went into the neighbor's yard. The neighbor didn't like it and came out guns blazing. Here is the alleged shooter who's still on the run, Robert Singletary, 24 years old. Yeah, remains at large. Now, why isn't this a huge story? It's because the alleged shooter is black and the family is white. This is a story that the media want to avoid. This puts them in an awkward position somehow for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's their racism. I don't get it. Um, because that young man who was shot and seriously injured in Kansas City, Missouri, you'll remember, well, it's been wall-to-wall -wall coverage. And that is also an important story. But that story has become like a movement. And by the way, we wish the very best for that young man. This seems like an awful case as well. I'm just noticing, though, when the accused happens to be a white person, the media, they charge with, with venom. Here's a suspect, okay? He's a 21-year-old white man. This 21-year-old white male mass murderer. The suspect is believed to be 18 to 20, a white male. Police identified the alleged shooter as a 15-year-old white male. The suspect in custody is white. Police say a 28-year-old white male carrying two handguns crashed a stolen truck into a building. It's humanizing the shooter once again. Yeah, and well. can I point out that the shooter is a white man who is alive after they knew that he had killed eight people. So this actually is not just post-George Floyd. It's been in the works for a while, for decades actually. The great white defendant. It makes the case, well, it elevates it. Not according to me, but according to apparently our society, our culture. There was a book in the late 1980s called Bonfire of the Vanities by the late, great Tom Wolfe. Are you familiar? He also wrote The Right Stuff, which became a major motion picture. Uh, amazing. Uh, the Mercury 7 astronauts and everything that happened to them. So um, back to Bonfire of the Vanities. It was interesting. Tom Wolfe, a keen observer. Why was Weiss interested? Weiss was a district attorney in a case they were talking about. Well, the guy's white and he's got some money. The great white defendant. Tom Wolfe, he saw it, and he wasn't afraid to write about it in 1987. Next, please. Captain Ahab's mania for the great white 
defendant. They're talking about prosecutors who saw a path to status, prestige, and power if you went after white people instead of people of color. Next, please. He still had a shot at that much-prized, ever-elusive creature, the great white defendant. Prosecutors in 1987, they had a thing. If you go after a white person, it means greater attention, greater status for the prosecutor, prestige. And the same holds true today for the media, prosecutors and especially the media. They, I mean, you heard it, right? I mean, talk about lust. Wow. Um, and a real hatred, a contempt. Is this, is this uh, some sort of demented virtue signaling? What about that little girl? Hmm? I mean, she's like collateral damage in all of this. And what about people of color who happen to be shot and killed or hurt by other people of color? Like this on Lenox Avenue um, about two weeks ago. Uh, just a senseless shooting at a smoke shop. Shoots him again for good measure before pickpocketing the guy. Uh, and nobody cares. And we just kind of accept it. How about that Tom Wolf? That book holds up so insightful tom wolf bonfire the vanities and i am proud to say that i got to know tom wolf and um, what a man we miss him we miss him all right something else that's kind of crazy hey the two justins guess what these guys who uh basically almost created a riot inside the tennessee state house well they've been invited to the white house you know they were protesting gun violence and broke all the rules there basically to get everybody's attention off the transgender component, make it about guns, make it about guns. That's what Democrats do. They're going to the White House on Monday to beat Joe Biden. And as far as we know, none of the families of the victims have been invited or really even much acknowledged by Joe Biden. But the two Justins, they get to go to the White House. Isn't that something? Isn't that weird? Those guys. Whew. Hey, so this is Helena Hutchins, and she's dead. She was killed a year and a half ago by Alec Baldwin. And today we learned that all charges against Alec Baldwin will be dropped. Uh, criminal negligent homicide, a couple of other things, right? Uh, because he pulled a gun on her and shot her, and she's dead. Um, Alec Baldwin, imagine that, right? No charges. They were going to charge this guy. He faced like five years in jail and they just are going away, those charges. Alec Baldwin, what an irresponsible guy. We all know that by now, right? He's been around for a long time, always getting into fights. He really is a menace to society. And if only he listened to the NRA instead of mocking them all the time. Have you ever thought about why the NRA and gun companies are fighting gun safety laws that would make my family, your family, all families safer? There is a new film which answers these questions and more called Making a Killing, Guns, Greed, and the NRA. Wow. Um, you know, he just had this cartoonish version of the NRA, had no understanding. If he had any understanding of firearms, knew how to use them, if he looked at any of the safety videos on the National Rifle Association website, Vanessa Hutchins, I'm sorry, Helena Hutchinson would still be alive. And today we're going to talk about something that's really important when it comes to firearms, and that's safety. So there are four fundamentals. The first is all guns are always loaded. So what that means to you is that anytime you're handed a weapon, you should do a visual and phys physical inspection for yourself to ensure that it is unloaded. Two, you always want to point your gun in a safe direction. 
Three, know your target and everything around it. And what that means is that you should positively identify These are the basics that the NRA has been teaching for 100 years, more than. If only Alec Baldwin had listened, maybe even signed up, that woman would still be alive. How about that? You know, uh, on MSNBC, they blame everything on the NRA, uh, people who believe in the Second Amendment. And listen to how they framed uh, those of us who believe in lawful gun ownership. A teenager who's a cheerleader, who's oh. won just about every award her friends say that she could win as a cheerleader, they go to the wrong car. And then as they're fleeing, they get shot. This is this gun culture is touching all all aspects of society. Gun culture. Uh, that's not gun culture. People, gun enthusiasts believe in gun safety. What about Hollywood? Hollywood culture. I notice they're pretty reckless with weapons. Have you ever noticed that, right? You ever see the movies where they fire about a million rounds and nobody ever hits anybody, right? There's Matt Damon, there's Angelina Jolie, on and on and on, right? They never aim, they never take care of the guns. I'm serious here. Hollywood presents a very negative message when it comes to firearms and safety. So, Alec Baldwin, no charges, not going to jail, and all those January Sixers, right? They didn't kill anybody. They went to the Capitol. Most of them didn't even break anything. And they're in so much trouble. What a strange country. I'll be right back. European American Armory Corp, or EAA Corp, is specialized in providing high-quality, innovative, and reasonably priced firearms to the U.S. since 1990. You can choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, whether you're looking for a concealed carry, revolver, shotgun, or competition pistol, EAA Corp has it. EAA's 1911 series comes in compact, carry, or full-size in three popular calibers. If you're a first-time gun owner, EAA Corp's all-in-one 9mm MC9 Striker fire pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package ideal for everyday carry. In addition, their lineup includes the MC312 series of 12-gauge shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There is a limited lifetime warranty on every series available today at EAA Corp. EAA Corp says get the quality firearm you've always wanted and save yourself a lot of hard-earned money. Visit EAACorp.com. That's EAACorp.com to learn more and order online or through your local dealer. Well, we need phones, but data tells us that they're making us pretty miserable. And children, children on social media, what is it doing to their brains? Uh, we have them from the CDC that they're kind of unhappier than ever before. Big tech is making big money off of small children. And some folks have had enough. A lawsuit has been filed in federal court. Um, many school districts throughout the country accusing big tech of being a public nuisance, accusing them of negligence, gross negligence, conspiracy to conduct the affairs of the enterprise through a pattern of racketeering activity. And a jury trial is demanded. The lead attorney for the plaintiffs is James P. France. He's the CEO of the France Law Group. Sir, welcome to Newsmax. Uh, thanks for being here. How are you? Very good. Very good. And you, 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 uh, 
said it very correctly, I think. You summarized exactly why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, well, I yes. wish you all the luck in the world because this is important also. By the way, you're going to need it. I mean, you're going up against big tech. These guys have billions and billions and billions, trillions even. How are you going to take them on? And what do you actually want from them? We want them to stop the redundancy, the, the algorithms that are addicting the kids to do it. The kids aren't doing it because... It just happens that they like that. When they like something, then they put in another uh, similar instance of the same, what they just did. The kid's dopamine is stimulated in their brain, and they want more, and they want more, and they want more. And this is all calculated. In Congress, there was a whistleblower that talked about it with respect to Facebook. And they know that these algorithms are going to addict kids and make them want to be on social media because they're getting likes and more likes and more likes on things they're looking at. And these things are, that they're looking at many times are harmful to them. And up to seven hours a day, these kids are looking at social media. And all the Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, all the meta companies. And so it's very dangerous. And there's been some terrible ramifications as a result of that. As a matter of fact, we had a client about a month ago, one of our school districts up north, uh, a young lady was uh, cyberbullied through several of the platforms. It went on for two, three days, and she hung herself in school. Hey, gosh, I, uh, that's... Hey, you mentioned, uh, the, that, you mentioned the whistleblower. I actually, I think her name was Frances Hogan, something like that, and she testified before Congress. And uh, yeah, she said that it's addictive and they know it. Take a look at this. Cut two, please. The choices being made inside of Facebook are disastrous for our children, for our public safety, for our privacy, and for our democracy. The company intentionally hides vital information from the public, from the U.S. government, and from governments around the world. The documents I have provided to Congress prove that Facebook has repeatedly misled the public about what its own research reveals about the safety of children, the efficacy of its artificial intelligence systems, and its role in spreading divisive and extreme messages. Wow, uh, that's uh, from an insider. All right, so again, you want them to change, uh, but look, I'm on that a lot. I mean, what do you want them to do? Make the content less interesting, less compelling, and they have made very, very modest attempts. I think they recently, you know, phony attempts. Whoa. Since we filed suit, we heard YouTube made some change that was supposedly going to protect the children more. But I'll tell you this. They are taking advantage of everyone. They're providing so much disinformation. And then they're getting these kids addicted to bad things. Look what happened with the Benadryl challenge that just on TikTok. Yeah. You heard about that. That was terrible. And that's on social media. They're not regulated at all. They can't regulate themselves. They need to be regulated by us or the legislature. So if the legislature is not going to do it, we're going to do it through judicial action, through court action. And we're, we're going to we represent over 40 school districts right now across the country. And I expect that we'll have about a 900 or so in the next three months or so that we'll be filing for. So it's a significant problem. And the, the children and the students are getting harmed. And it's harming them going forward in their life. Yeah. And they're missing a lot out of life. Think about it. All it's, the time they're spending on social media, they could be doing something else, playing sports, you know, being with their family, but they're not. So it's a, it's a bad addiction. 
It's hurting people. It's hurting children, especially. The frontal lobe of their brain mm -hmm. is not developed like an adult. No, James, we... We know. And uh, by the way, big tech, they make allowances for China. Listen to this, a recent uh, 60 Minutes report on um, how China manages big tech and uh, these platforms. The version that's served to Chinese consumers called Douyin is very different from the one available in the West. In their version of TikTok, if you're under 14 years old, they show you science experiments you can do at home museum exhibits, patriotism videos, and educational videos. And they also limit it to only 40 minutes per day. Now, they don't ship that version of TikTok to the rest of the world. There's a survey of preteens in the US and China asking what is the most aspirational career that you want to have. And the US, the number one was influencer. Social media influencer. And in China, the number one was astronaut. We are in big trouble. I wish you a lot of success. So what's next? It's these class action, and it looks it's a class action lawsuit. They can take uh, many, many tort. years. It takes a long yeah, time. So, And I only got a couple of seconds left. What's What happens next? We're starting discovery. We'll be taking depositions. We're going to prove that they are in ra they're committing racketeering. It's an organized criminal action amongst these different social media companies to addict children and put harmful content out there because it'll continue to allow them to advertise and make lots of money. And that's what it's about. So we're gonna get, we're gonna get funding for our school districts to manage all this dilemma that they're dealing with at the schools right now and, and help the, the children at the same time get mental health counselors and all that at the school. So that's what we're doing. And you're, uh, you're, you're using RICO and racketeering like the mobsters. And quite frankly, in some ways, these guys are more dangerous. It's, a, it's amazing. James P. France, good luck to you and your clients, CEO of the France Law Group, francelawgroup.com. Thank you, sir. And we'll be right Thank back. Thank you, Greg. Well, believe it or not, at one point, American schools were the envy of the world. Uh, really fantastic facilities, curriculum, and uh, standardized in a way. Some schools were better than others, but we all kind of were learning the same stuff about American history and that America was essentially a good place. Our founding fathers were wise people here, perhaps because of divine providence. I mean, really, uh, America was a force for good, according to schools everywhere in America. Well, that's changed in a big way. Uh, some of the most prominent textbook manufacturers and distributors are pushing a horrible fake news narrative. Take a look at this. This is, a, again, a major uh, textbook provider. This is how they characterize the uh, election of Donald Trump. To the utter astonishment of almost all pundits and prognosticators, the thrice-married former Democrat, a sexual predator caught on tape boasting about groping women, became the oldest and richest person ever elected to the presidency. You think there's some bias here? Absolutely. Now, I, I went into detail about this last night, uh, and I should point out that I didn't do any of this journalism. It came from a guy named Greg Price, and he was acknowledged by 
President Trump. President Trump put out a statement that conservative journalist Greg Price reviewed some of the most common history textbooks in our country, and he found that they're already teaching complete lies about me and our America First movement. Uh, Greg Price, congratulations on this work, and he joins us now. Conservative journalist, communications director for the State Freedom Caucus Network. Sir, great job. How are you? I'm great. Great to be on with you tonight. So, listen, have the textbooks kind of always been woke? Have they always been left and we're just noticing? Or is this something that happened, you know, very recently with the rise of Trump? It's definitely the latter, Greg. I was an AP U.S. history student when I was in high school myself. And I don't remember, you know, the textbooks pushing a particular political ideology, but they're obviously doing it now. And, you know, I only reviewed five books specifically used in AP U.S. history classes. There's many other history textbooks out there that are starting to cover the Trump presidency. And as I write about in my report, they're telling not just they're not just biased, they're telling complete lies, such as another one, the American Promise, which straight up says Trump refused to condemn Charlottesville. Factually incorrect. Another one I'm called America, a narrative history uh, covers through January 6th and COVID. And they say that a policeman died on January 6th. That's factually incorrect, too. And so and all of these books cover, you know, Ferguson without specifying that Michael Brown had robbed a convenience store, was charging at a police officer and that Obama's DOJ found hands up. Don't shoot is a lie. T it's not even limited to just Donald Trump. And as you said, they call him the sexual predator. And you go back to Bill Clinton and they don't even mention any of his accusers. These are the books. These are the most commonly used books in college level AP U.S. history classes. And if that's what's in the books, Greg, imagine what the teachers are telling them during class. Yeah, no, it's it's astonishing. All right, so they're very negative on, on Donald Trump, and uh, they're very positive on Joe Biden. Here's something else you uncovered. Joe Biden on Inauguration Day. Let's go ahead and put that up on the screen, please. Uh, again, from a very prominent textbook manufacturer. Uh, no sooner was Biden inaugurated than he began fulfilling his pledge to be a quite different leader than Donald Trump. And his efforts to dampen the political combat bore fruit early in his presidency as he made efforts to reach out to Republican opponents. The economy was surging. And number one, he did nothing of the kind regarding Republican opponents. And oh, by the way, I guess they missed his speech in Philadelphia where he went after MAGA and just yelling and calling everybody names. And um, this really is like I hate to use the word a little bit Orwellian, though. Yeah, it is. They are rewriting history about the Trump presidency, and now they're starting to do it about the Biden president presidency. In that paragraph there, it also said that our economy is surging, and it doesn't mention, you know, the rampant inflation and the fact that wages adjusted for inflation have been down every single month since the stimulus bill was passed. You know, they're 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 literally they're rewriting history in favor of Democrats and not in favor of Donald Trump, and and they're leaving out like. It's not even just what they cover. It's what they don't cover. Like, they cover nothing about the Steele dossier, how the Hillary Clinton's campaign paid for this fake opposition research to tie Trump to Russia. They don't cover that. They don't cover the FISA abuses in which the FBI lied in warrants in order to spy on Donald Trump's campaign. They don't cover the struck and page texts. You know, they don't cover the fact that, you know, people like James Clapper and, and uh, Adam Schiff lied to the American public about Russian collusion. You know, all they cover is that Russia meddled in the election to help Donald Trump in the very limited way that they did. And they leave out all of these stories. And there's there's many more that they leave out as well. That You know, that 
the story of the Trump presidency is more than just what these liberal historic college professors are writing in history books. Mm. But this is what is being taught to high school students in a college level course. Hey, you know, one more thing, like when I, I took AP American history and it was American history, like it wasn't uh, current events. These are current events almost. You know what I mean? These are this is very topic du jour, the stuff that we're why are they putting this in the history books? It doesn't seem like it's um, old enough. Well, these books get updated every few years, such as, you know, the American pageant, the, the one that calls Donald Trump a sexual predator. It's the 17th edition of the book. So, you know, as as the years go on, these books get updated and we're getting to the point where they're getting updated to talk about the Trump presidency. And as we're seeing, the people writing the history are insanely biased against the president and they say history's written by the winners. And that seems to be what's what's happening in this case is these people with the power to, you know, to show high school students how American history went are doing it in a way that is not favorable to Trump. And in many cases, they're just simply lying about it. Well, anybody, man, they may have won an election, but they're losers. <laughs> I think if they write like this and they and they lie like this, it's amazing. Well, Greg Price, real pleasure to meet you. Uh, he's big on Twitter and he's big on Substack and wherever he goes, find him. GregPrice.substack.com or at Greg underscore Price 11 on uh, Twitter. Many thanks, sir. And uh, we'll be right back. So that's uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader in the House of Representatives. And a lot of Democrats, they really like this guy. They predict if Democrats ever take over the House again, he will be the speaker. I think that's bad news for, uh, for everybody. I mean, he's a very divisive, mean guy. Listen to this. The threat right now in this country to the American people are extreme MAGA Republicans. That's the threat. That's the problem. That's the crisis that we confront. Extreme MAGA Republicans. Uh, what, what is it he like about MAGA, huh? Not losing wars, securing the border. Uh, I, I'm not a fan. And unfortunately, he's still in Congress. But my next guest made a, a valiant effort to get him out. He's Yuri Dashevsky, uh, a Republican, and he ran for the congressional seat that is now occupied and was occupied by Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, sir, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? And uh, hey, thanks for making a go of it. Hi, Greg. I'm watching your program religiously, and you are my favorite host today. I, I, I love your um, program on Newsmax, uh, and I'm honored to be here. It's a privilege. Thank you, sir, very, very much. Wow, uh, great to see you. And uh, so, look, uh, you heard my brief take on Hakeem Jeffries. You ran against him. What else should we know about this guy? And uh, I'm sorry he didn't win. That would have been great. But wh what, about, what about this guy? Yeah, I was sorry I, won I didn't win when we were sitting and eating the pizza that I bought for the uh, for the my, for my volunteers when we watched the results coming in. Uh, but long story short, uh, his name is basically unknown in Brooklyn. I went on foot to almost every area in uh, this uh, district number eight congressional district. And I asked people, do you know who Hakim Jeffries is? He, I was in a position when he was, uh, mm, it was very um, little 
incentive for him to go and debate me on the issues, discuss things. I came uh, literally from the street. I'm a person who's a man, I should say, uh, relatively known in the Russian-speaking community in southern Brooklyn. And... Uh, Mm, many people uh, kind of got into politics. I was wearing this MAGA cap as soon as I got, uh, almost immediately when I got on YouTube, on my channel. I was uh, commenting on the situation in uh, in the country for a while, uh, and I was uh, mm, everywhere uh, where a decent uh, citizen of this country is supposed to be. Yeah. During this these times, uh, so uh, I'm not saying that I'm a like a um, exemplary person in every regard. All right, but I try to lead by example, and I must say that he did very little for this community. He's a figurehead mm. that has uh, all the uh, checks, all the right, uh, right. Uh, you know, squares. Well, he's a Democrat in an overwhelmingly Democrat town, and unfortunately, that's enough to win. Uh, re-election and election and re-election and re-election and re-election. Uh, but he's written some crazy stuff. And the national Republicans are really on to this guy. I want to know if they helped you, how much they helped you or didn't help you. But do me a favor, roll cut eight, please. Calling Judaism a dirty religion? Praising Adolf Hitler? You wouldn't support or defend anti-Semitic remarks. But Hakeem Jeffries did, and he lied about it for years. Jeffries even called black conservatives house Negroes. No, your ears aren't playing tricks on you. House Negroes. There is a bigot leading House Democrats in Congress, and his name is Hakeem Jeffries. Why don't House Democrats demand their leader apologize for his shameful beliefs? Yikes, that's uh, whew, some awful stuff there. Well, Yuri, again, we're uh, uh, disappointed it didn't work out, but uh, you're a force to be reckoned with. We can find you on Rumble. You're great on Twitter and the rest. Um, what's next for you? Um, I think uh, I have some chance. I collected signatures to become the district leader uh, in uh, South Brooklyn, and uh, we have very energetic people who are looking forward to change things. We have plenty of people joining politics, going into politics uh, where I live. They're Republicans. They're solid, good, professional people. I only want to say that I wish that our Republican uh, mm, our Republicans would uh, exhibit the same fervor every time time Hakim Jeffries opened his mouth during all those years. I am a Jew and I am uh, against anti-Semitism naturally, against so many things that every, again, reasonable person, honest person should be against. But uh, it's just a little bit uh, too, uh, I don't know, inconsequential to, to be uh, so uh, militant versus something that happened 30 years ago. Uh. Uh, whereas uh, Hakim Jeffries, for all this time, he was uh, saying things that were untrue, mm. were uh, direct lies and fabrications. Well, if unfortunately, go... he's a Democrat in a Democrat town. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll stay in touch. Yuri Dashevsky, we appreciate it so much. Good luck, sir. And uh, thank you. We'll be right back. My book, Justice for All. How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, available wherever books are sold. Someone just told me that Michelle Obama wrote a negative review on Amazon. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you. I'll see you tomorrow.